Ikea is bringing AR models into the Google search. There's a Japanese company which is about to attempt a moon landing. Snapchat modeled something after an app that we all know. Maybe it's replica.ai. Thanks Snapchat for this feature that nobody asked for. <laughs> and now I want to disable it, but I simply can't. Welcome to our weekly tech review, where we explore the latest trends, news and updates from the world of technology. This podcast is the perfect source for staying up to date with what is important to know right now. With me today, I have Chris and Henrike and Vincent and I am Tarek. Hi. The Tech Review is a collaboration of Ideas Engineering, Free Tech Academy and Update. And you can watch all episodes on YouTube or listen to us on all major podcast platforms such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts while you work out, drive or maybe even travel through space or trying to land on the moon, what is happening right now. <laughs> so let's jump into the news. And today we are going to start with some news from IKEA. So that's me then. Yeah, I've brought an article um, saying that IKEA is bringing AR uh, models into the Google search of their products. And um, yeah, this is a quite conventional article. So it's non-space, non-sci-fi, non-Terminator, non-AI. But um, augmented reality, so which is my other uh, domain of interest, so to say. And um, yeah, what I really um, loved about this article is um, that AR seems to become or get a little bit of reach. So what's happening? AR actually, as um, the title already implies, integrates all its products as 3D models into the Google search. So that um, actually when you, when you look into Google for some kind of um, IKEA furniture, you can actually have a look at that in a three-dimensional way, just with a normal model. And, and that's the cool thing, you can actually place that in an AR view into your personal environment. So like you know that from any other AR experience, so that is quite cool. Um, but the good thing with IKEA is that they have put in the whole product catalog into Google search now. So we are talking about 10,000 products. So the whole thing with actually putting AR views into Google is not that striking, right? So we have seen that with lots of various products like from Adidas, like stuff like that, sneakers, uh, I remember, and many others, uh, also cars. But um, I think this is the first time that uh, a company actually puts their whole spectrum of the whole catalog of products into into Google search and what I personally appreciate with this um, situation now is that augmented reality has the chance to become some kind of reach by doing so right so that is exactly the difference to what we've seen with AR beforehand so it had been used with various um, uh, um, um, commercials and um, promotion campaigns and everything, marketing stuff. So you had like um, the packages uh, of a product or the product itself and then some kind of funny figure actually interacting with, um, with, a, with a real product in your personal environment. And yeah, it was a joke. It was fun. It is kind of marketing. So... Um, it's a laugh for one time and that's exactly it and then it's gone. But here, from my point of view, we really have some kind of um, sustainability, right? Some really added value which you can use again and again and again. 
So if you want to buy furniture, you can buy a table, you can buy a chair, whatever. You can place that into your apartment. Next time you do the same and millions of people can do that. So this is, from my point of view, the first time in that size that AR really becomes some kind of importance and reach in this combination with, with the Google search um, that has not had, from my point of view, not had beforehand. So um, this is actually why I brought this article, because I think maybe something is changing now with AR, which had, well, a rough start so far. And maybe it is becoming more mainstream now with um, big companies acting as some kind of multipli multiplicators now, um, so that um, AR is uh, getting more into the minds of people and users. And um, this also in combination with um, the rising and upcoming development of um, mixed reality glasses, which we are about to see within, well, probably the next years, so that the whole AR mixed reality topic um, could actually become more mainstream as it is or as it has been by now. Do you know if uh, those models are free for download so that I can use them in other, let's say, metaverse applications and, for example, uh, create like my IKEA-styled VR home or something? Or is it uh, exclusively for the Google search? So this is uh, not being said in the article and I have, I have actually tried that and uh, I, I didn't see any download button. I just see the, pl okay. the placement <laughs> in your personal environment. And that, by the way, works really good, really stable. So everybody of us knows um, about AR placements and uh, experiences. And quite often it's like shaky and doesn't work properly and stuff. But this is really stable. So you can place it into your room and it stays where it actually had been located. You can walk around it. It keeps its position. So that's, that's really the cool thing. And um, it's actually um, a, a link to the um, IKEA article, uh, sorry, to the IKEA um, uh, catalog, um, where they have actually this, this functionality with all of their 10,000 projects. So I haven't seen any download functionality there. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm really glad that uh, IKEA is still working on this uh, because even though the topic of metaverse slowed down a little bit yeah. in the past months with the emergence of uh, all the AI revolution topics that we have right now. Um, it's, it's great to see that they are still working on this because AI technology did not uh, become worse, right? And especially because we are still waiting for the Apple AR glasses. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see what is going to happen on the next Apple event where I think, again, they, uh, they, Someone said uh, they are going to announce the Apple AR glasses. Yeah, I think you you have. Oh, sorry, didn't want to interrupt. No, you go ahead. I think you have to differ there a little bit. So uh, about the AR glasses and the VR glasses. So actually, they they want to um, like publish their VR glasses now. As far as I got it, like quite expensive, three thousand euros or so. Um, but of course, they have a mixed reality <laughs> feature in there. Um, but also here, talking about the metaverse, so we have these various definitions of what the metaverse could have been. So actually starting with meta, more or less as a VR experience. And what we are talking now and what also 
my team and me actually are developing in is more the mixed reality kind of metaverse, so to say the real world metaverse. Um, what we see as the future, so just an enhancement of reality and not a hundred percent augmentation in terms of a virtual reality metaverse. And um, if you take that into consideration, saying that um, the metaverse development has slowed down a little bit, yes, especially the VR thing. But on the other hand, the mixed reality thing is still on track. It's uh, uh, coming up as we as we see it here and as we see all the developments. For instance, with Google and Apple, of course. And um, what we also see is um, in parallel the, the development of AI, which is a very important topic at the moment, of course, but we see also the synergies and the combinations of both AR, uh, mixed reality and AI will be a combination which will, which cannot be separated in the future. It will be a synergy and it will be strong. Right. Vincent, you, you wanted to say something? I just wanted to say that uh, I wanted to... Uh say that I also think it's very likely that Apple will present their glasses on WWDC just because it is WWDC and if there is such a place if there is a place to uh, launch something like that it's uh, the it's uh, the the it's not Mac World. It's Worldwide <laughs> Developer Conference. But the thing, the thing, it's, I think it's the thing. Uh, besides that, Chris, I just can agree with you that I think it's nice and great that something like that commercializes even more. And I think the big difference, what happened here, just from my point of view, is that on the one hand, um, we had these things for quite some time. I remember a talk from you in 2019 where you actually showed something like that. But you needed a extra, uh, very specific software. You needed a device. You needed a good internet connection, all these kind of things. And this now commercializes even more step-by-step step into everyday use. And I think this is the path these things need to go in order to become normal for us because otherwise the application needs to be so specifically and particularly beneficial for us that we actually use a special device, a special internet connection, a special software, all these kinds of things. We go around all these kind of things, but it's easier when we can just pull it up, uh, Google what we Google anyways and have it. And I think therefore I think it's going great. If our tech review is valuable for you, please give us feedback with a like or a comment. That would help us tremendously and it wouldn't cost you anything. And if you don't want to miss the next episode, just click on the subscribe button. And now back to the news. And now, this. So, let's jump to the next topic, which is coming from me. And it's space. Space. <laughs> and it's news from outer space. <laughs> this time it comes from me. Because right now, at the time while we are recording this episode on Monday, uh, 25th of April, uh, the um, there's a Japanese company which is about to attempt a moon landing. Yeah. Um, it's the privately developed Japanese lunar lander Hakuto-R, which is uh, trying to make an historic attempt to land on the moon as uh, early as today, <laughs> following a five-month transit uh, to reach the moon. Uh, and this landing attempt uh, will be started like 100 kilometers above the lunar surface. Uh, with with a braking maneuver, uh, which we are waiting right for right now, or let's say at least I have the live stream <laughs> on a separate monitor right here, and I'm waiting for the live stream to be started. It was supposed to start, I think, like 20 minutes ago, so they have a slight delay. I hope nothing serious. 
Um, and the, the great thing is that this is something like a historic landing because it's the first or potentially the first time that a private vessel is going to land on the moon. Or let's say that a private vessel is uh, performing a soft landing on the moon because, as we all know, in 2019, um, there was this, um, what was it? The, an Israeli spacecraft that already tried to land on the moon, but uh, it was not a soft landing, <laughs> it was a crash. And so uh, it's still not done yet that a private uh, spacecraft is landing on the moon. Uh, the Hakuto R um, spaceship, uh, like satellite, um, was launched on a Falcon 9 rocket in December. Uh, and it has some very interesting payload. For example, it contains um, the... United Arab Emirates Rashid rover and uh, the JAXA's Sora Q transformable lunar robot. So basically a transformer <laughs> flying to the moon. <laughs> and I'm really, really looking forward to see what is going on there. Um, iSpace, the company that launched this um, this uh, this moon lander, um, is is a company that specializes on, let's say, infrastructure. And they are uh, planning to provide commercial lunar services, which sounds really amazing because this is something that we never had before. But now that we are constructing that base on the moon and later then, of course, on, on Mars, there's, of course, the question of transporting goods um, from Earth to the moon or back, of course, um, and also personnel. And so there's um, this, this big gap of having these lunar services that uh, will be provided then, of course, by the private industry um, with, a, with a goal of doing this in a um, price-compatible way because uh, it's being um, uh, demanded very, very much. And even though we rarely talked about iSpace, they are a new player in this field and uh, I'm sure if this landing will be successful, uh, we are going to hear more from them um, in, in the new future. I think I, I uh, read that they were founded in 2010 as part of the Google Lunar X Prize competition. So uh, Google was uh, supporting them. And uh, I really love it that some companies started from scratch based on uh, something like, uh, like, like a competition and are then backed by Google and also NASA. I think NASA financed um, this uh, this trip with uh, with a Falcon 9 rocket. Um, and yeah, I'm right. Oh, and right now, while I'm talking, the screen popped up. So the live stream started, uh, which does not matter for uh, everyone who's hearing this podcast right now. <laughs> Let me mute the sound. But for everyone uh, in this podcast right now, if you want to open your browser next to the site and see the live footage uh, from iSpace, it's it's uh, online right now. So did, did anyone of you uh, hear of iSpace before? Kind of, but not really. And I, that was is actually like my first comment that I love that you bring this article here today because... Um, Besides all the news about what SpaceX is doing, what Airbus is doing, what the Chinese are doing, it's uh, it's easily forgotten that there are also other nations uh, working in that regard. And um, it's actually quite impressive when you say that they were um, um, built in 2010. 
like or founded in 2010 and now 13 years later they're already at the stage of like launching something to the moon that is really impressive when you consider the development phases uh, within the space industry in general but then also for like really like a startup and you know get things going do all the testing and setting it all up um, that's really cool so um, I'm not having the window open here because I have too many tabs open already so that would completely <laughs> confuse me and I would you would see, you're like I would lose my um, focus on this podcast here totally but um, yeah I think it's great that you bring this to the attention here yeah I right, also haven't heard of uh, iSpace uh, Naruto uh, Hakuto <laughs> Naruto is good Hakuto yeah Hakuto beforehand. <laughs> so I'm indeed a little bit surprised to hear that they are actually having a moon landing right now so this is as Henrique said quite impressive so, so just uh, startups getting to the moon now so seems to be um, a possible thing nowadays. Um, do you know where they actually want to land uh, their their rover or their transformer? Is that? I'm sure they they know it, <laughs> but no, I I don't know. Um, I don't have the exact. How name. well do you know the landscape of the moon, Chris? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, like how I mean, much is detail? It, is it is it the dark side of the moon like the Chinese did, or is it upside, or is it <laughs> is it the other? Is it the normal or the visible side of the moon? Is it uh, next to where the uh, Americans uh, landed their rovers? So will we get will we will we get um, a proof that the Americans actually did land on the moon or not? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so that's why I'm asking. And and the second question is, uh, is there any, um, what exactly is the goal of the mission? So is, is it just landing or you said, okay, actually transporting stuff uh, onto there. But what what is the reason? What is uh, what is the idea behind that? So why do they do that? Yeah. So, so for the first question, uh, no, I do not know exactly where they are going to land. I guess that it is going to be on the visible side of the moon because I read uh, in another article that there are other missions that are actually planned to be landing on the far side of the moon. And so I think um, they, they are not doing this right now. Um, but I, I can't tell you if this is like a like a known landing spot uh, near the Apollo landing sites but I, I don't know I, I, I don't know have this information and for the second question I don't have like a full list of mission objectives that they have uh, on the one hand they are transporting these other rovers that are um, uh, on board of the spacecraft um, but I could imagine since this is the first landing that it's like a proof of concept because iSpace is planning to um, to get into the space infrastructure delivery business. And so uh, right now, I, I guess they are proving that they are actually able to do this and um, provide these services for the future. Um, but I don't know if they are doing more than just landing and placing their payload. Maybe they plan to relaunch back <laughs> back to Earth, uh, I guess. But this is just guessing. I, I really do not know what is the ultimate goal of this. But I'm really excited that someone other than NASA is trying to land on the moon right now. Absolutely. With a soft landing. Yeah. <laughs> and so it makes also like... Um, visions of a, of a permanent moon base, for instance, uh, more real than it had been before, especially if you have like some kind of uh, logistics infrastructure now and uh, can transport um, lunar models uh, one after the other from Earth to Moon, so things become possible now. Yeah, and I also think we are quite late in the game because we are already talking about 
um, Artemis 3, which is supposed to bring people back to the moon. Um, but if we still are not able to safely land like other rovers or moon landers on, on the surface, it feels like we should already have this in place if we are already planning Artemis 3. And now this. So much about Japanese moon landings. Let's continue with Snapchat. Um, Snapchat launched a new feature already a while ago for Snapchat Plus. Uh, Snapchat Plus is a subscription service um, meant to be or designed to be a revenue stream from Snapchat that is based on a subscription and not an advertisement. And um, what it does basically, Snapchat Plus, is giving you a lot of additional features. What, however, now is being discussed specifically is that Snapchat uh, modeled something after an app uh, that we all know maybe. It's replica.ai. Uh, it is an app where you can chat with your own chatbot, uh, with your with artificial intelligence and that person that chatbot gets to net gets to know you saves a lot of information what you're putting in it becomes more and more a friend of yours this year now is um is artificial my AI, a chat i a chat option within the snapchat app and this is something that now is not only available for snapchat plus users anymore but also for all other snapchat users and it is pinned to the chat chat window within the snapchat app you can talk to it you can get advice you can ask for um for entertainment purposes mostly what the trailer shows but also again for advice you can talk to it and in the end you can also um yeah it, again it learns more about you and in the end it, it is supposed to design a very friendly um component to the snapchat app to even more drag you into this uh, super app more or less that tries to to be uh, or to add value to every step of your um, online presence but uh, users didn't like it very much i think henrique you, your article the one that you brought is focusing even more on that why did they hate it because they cannot get rid of it um <laughs> it's yeah that's really the thing it's like um they perceive it like okay thanks snapchat for this feature that nobody asked for <laughs> and now i want to disable it uh, but i simply can't you can only you know get rid of it if you have a snapchat plus subscription which is like an interesting take on you know creating conversion at this yeah. point <laughs> i'm not so sure that plan really uh, succeeds in the end no but this is one major reason why people are like i don't want this i don't need this and now i cannot get rid of it even um yeah what the heck basically so do i understand correctly that i have to pay snapchat for removing a feature from yes. my app that yeah. is amazing <laughs> that is a great <laughs> business model <laughs> i mean i'm it's it's not so strange because usually um i pay like a premium fee for removing ad banners on something right so having like an annoying AI. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's removing and a feature that should add value and costs a lot of money in production. But uh, I mean, yeah, just as Enrique said, it's an interesting take when you, you when you think about um, customizing your app and building your own experience somehow. 
from what I understood also from the article that I read is that another issue is privacy. Again, I mean, that's not a surprise, but, you know, in Snapchat, you can disable, for example, that you do not want to have shown your location on the map to other users. Um, but the AI knows all of that. And this is like, but I do not want that this app or like, this environment knows this stuff, but the AI does and makes use of this knowledge. And this was also creating uh, frustration uh, amongst the users. In the trailer, you see that there is a uh, person asking to the AI to write a song about a friend of his. And this is something that was criticized vastly because the AI can read the chat that yeah. you had with that friend. Uh, I personally have to say I don't worry about it that much, honestly. I think that it's kind of fun and as long as Snapchat stays within the data privacy regulations of the software as it is, of the app as it is, why not? But, um, and I think it's, yeah, it's a chat, Jesus. I mean, screens are getting bigger and bigger. Uh, we have enough available enable space on our screens, I have to say, for having this up top. But um, also I think we have to reflect on Or we have to we have to look from the outside objectively. Not everybody is so keen on trying these kind of features um, as we are potentially. What I what I also just think right now. I mean, yeah, they didn't ask for it. Now they got it, and they're like, "Oh, this is stupid. I don't want this, and now I can't get rid of it." But I mean, we will see more of these AI features being integrated in everyday tools that we use, and it's getting more and more normal for us to have this and to make use of it. Maybe it was just bad timing that it was a bit too early to integrate that into this social media environment. But I, I have the feeling like in a few weeks even already, um, people will be like, yeah, sure, now it's there and I will make use of it. Because also when I'm at work and I'm using, you know, the Microsoft environment and I have these ChatGPT uh, stuff integrated in everything I do and I make use of it, it will also become normal to have it in the social media app, I guess. And then um, probably the whole buzz kind of gets a little bit quieter at some point. Still, people will be there who like, you know, I'm not a fan and it's um, they probably work on how to also get rid of it when you're not a subscriber. I, I mean, that's the least they can do right now. But, you know, I think in general, the whole noise will, you know, go away, I guess. Potentially, I think that that specifically the capabilities of this chat bot, if I call it that, of this AI will be will be getting bigger and bigger and greater and greater. Uh, right now, I don't see how that is possible in the Snapchat app, but I'm not, I, obviously I'm not working on that feature, but I'm pretty sure that Snap has a lot of ideas on how this will improve your experience in Snap. So yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Because I think you wanted to say something. Yeah, a, a little bit, a different angle, uh, different perspective to the whole thing. And this is, uh, What you say actually uh, seems to me a little bit like a projection of the whole AI development we see at the moment out there in the world, so to say, right? So AI um, is about conquering various aspects of life, starting with the whole creative sectors and now uh, also getting into, into other, other sectors, domains. So it's... Um, 
similar to what we see here. So it's sneaking into our lives and uh, taking over various branches, functionalities, um, helping us in various aspects of, well, everyday life. And um, yeah, suddenly we, suddenly we might find ourselves in a situation where the genie is out of the bottle and um, we can't get rid of it any longer. Yeah, on the one hand, I, I think it's very expected that everyone needs to jump onto the AI train because right now everything that touches AI is hyped. And so I can absolutely understand how the product managers at Snap said, we need this definitely. But at the same time, there are so many people uh, freaking out because of obviously privacy concerns that I really, really think that they made a big mistake not letting the people opt out of this feature or at least force them to manually enable that. But having this as like a default thing, reading all of your chats, that was probably not a good product management idea. All right. But I'm sure that we are going to hear more of this kind of news in the near future. Tarek, I have to disagree just very really? slightly. I'm sorry. Go I have ahead. to disagree because I don't know if this really is a bad product, I, product management idea. I personally think these kind of features have to be brought into the behavior and in, in under the thumbs of the users in order to be used because it is just so different from what we already know. I mean, if it's a new filter or anything like that, I agree with you. We know the concept of filter. If I don't give a fuck about filters, I don't use it. If I love filters, I use them, yada, yada, yada. Here it's different. I think this is such a fundamentally different feature that it needs to be as present as possible in order to gain the traction. Something like that needs to be valuable enough to continue producing it. And I actually think it is not present enough in most of our software. Or it is a very clever marketing stunt because Snap was not in the news <laughs> recently and with a pseudo scandal like that, uh, everybody is again talking about them. <laughs> I mean, what I learned from reading this article and also last week I, I read an article announcing this kind of, I wasn't aware that there's Snapchat Plus actually <laughs> out there. <laughs> I was like, okay, oh, but okay. That, but but that's your thing. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, uh, yeah, there, it's been there for close to a year now. <laughs> yeah, but but still, I mean, yeah, I'm really not a heavy Snapchat user. I I have it on my phone and I barely use it. But still, I was like, ah, okay, there's Snapchat Plus. Interesting. I mean, kind of obvious, no brainer. But yet, I learned something new from this. <laughs> Yeah, now they have their mission uh, fulfilled because now all the thousands of listeners of the TechRevy podcast are aware of the Snap Plus tier. <laughs> You're welcome, Snapchat. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Okay, okay. Yeah, thank you so much for, for your articles. Again, it was uh, like the highlight of the week and see and hear you next week. Bye. If you are hearing this message, you've listened to the entire episode and for that, we here at Tech Review want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We hope this new episode was valuable for you and if it was, please leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to us right now. Share this episode with others who could also like it. Do you have a topic that you'd like to see covered in future episodes? Don't hesitate to tell us in the comments or on social media. We hope you'll be back for the next episode.